Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Convincing story that maps onto reality, and that's why the central narrative is falling apart. Right now in the United States, people should not be walking around with masks. You must see the central narrative for the fiction that it is. We are Americans. While elections are sometimes messy, this was a secure election. The founders began the fight for human liberty and self-governance, and it's up to us to finish the job. I tell you what, we are in a truth emergency right now. This is the end game. It's Wednesday, February 7th, 2024, the 1113th day of dystopia. I'm your moderator, Chris Paul. Let's be reasonable. A warm welcome and hello to all of you listening to the podcast on the day of its release. The only way to do that is by becoming a paid subscriber at I'm your moderator.substack.com. You can do so for as little as $50 a year or $5 a month. And in doing so, you will be supporting me, the work I do, and this show as it expands. And if you can't or you simply don't want to, continue listening to the podcast for free a couple days later on a wide variety of podcast platforms and, of course, Rumble. All I ask is that you share it with your friends. You can find the links to the podcast, the writing, the social media, and the merch site by visiting linktree.com slash I'm your moderator. So on Monday, we continued, as I had promised at the beginning of the year, to track these elections around the world. We had the election in El Salvador over the weekend that was, one, dominated by Nayib Bukele. 
He won re-election for his second five-year term. His first term was marked by a radical cleanup of the Central American cartels and gang members, as well as the introductory stages of Bitcoin adoption. So on those two things alone, he clearly upsets the regime. And of course, they'll remind you that he said he's the world's coolest dictator. We are supposed to be scared of all these people. They are autocrats. They're not sovereign leaders who are very popular among their people, which is their job executing the will of the people. If we're going to have governments, they should at least be focused on doing that rather than implementing a global agenda in their country. That's not working on behalf of the people. That's working on behalf of the global regime. Now, as we talked about Bukele on Monday, going through one of those articles, I can't remember which one. I think it was the Reuters article. But they mentioned that voting had been stopped and that the process had been changed. Something was delaying the results. And when something like that happens, it's always worth keeping an eye on. So last night, someone in the chat on Telegram popped in to say that Mike Lindell had mentioned El Salvador switching over to paper ballots in the middle of their election. Now, I don't know if he was accurate in that statement, but it reminded me to go back and look. And so it turns out there's a lot of discussion of this happening now, and the regime continues to freak out. This is from Fortune magazine today. The headline, Nayib Bukele is an autocrat, not a Bitcoin savior. And so, of course, they're going to go after him for the Bitcoin viewpoint. Fortune is, after all, a finance-oriented magazine, website, whatever, blog. But Leo Schwartz, the very triggered author of this little editorial, mentions the election as well. He writes, Bukele's reign has all the hallmarks of an autocrat. He even welcomes the associations, trolling his critics by branding his social media accounts as, quote, the world's coolest dictator. He has backed up the self-chosen title with a bevy of laws that press freedom groups describe as clear censorship attempts. And of course, these autocratic leaders, these sovereign nationalist leaders around the world, they're doing the real censorship. The regime stooges, the puppet leaders around the world who are actually directing their government to work in coordination with the social media companies to target and censor Americans who are saying anything that conflicts with the agenda of the global regime, they're not the real censors. Sure, Bukele is striving for financial freedom from the global regime and the global bankers, but he's also totally censoring the press. But here's where it gets good. Leo Schwartz writes, unsurprisingly, his reelection was marred by vote count irregularities. And there is a hyperlink to a tweet talking about how a vote count updated, even though there was not an indication of an update. If I am reading it correctly, these same writers would never describe that sort of event as a voting irregularity in the United States because that would immediately threaten election integrity. That would threaten to tear down our very democracy. You can't question our election system. You can only question El Salvador's. And just so you get a sense of Leo Schwartz's panic, he writes, and yet Bukele is still widely embraced in the crypto crowd. 
when Representative Ilhan Omar sent a letter to Secretary of State Blinken last week urging action on Bukele's threats to Salvadoran democracy. She was met with vitriol from blue checkmarked crypto acolytes on X with one prominent Bitcoiner telling her, you need to go back. Now, Ilhan Omar was asking for the State Department to interfere with El Salvador's election as they did in Nigeria last year and have in countless other places. But Schwartz's argument against Bukele is that Bitcoiners on Twitter said mean things to Ilhan Omar. He then proceeded to make an argument that Bitcoiners supporting Bukele have actually abandoned their central ideals. So by all means, have a look at that if you like. But we are going to move on for the purposes of this conversation. Let's go to a website called theworld.org. The site describes itself as the home of public radio's longest running daily global news program and major funding, they note at the bottom of the web page, is provided by the Carnegie Foundation, the MacArthur Foundation, the Ford Foundation and the Corporation for Public Broadcasting. So it's very fair and very balanced. Their headline from this morning, Nayib Bukele's popularity steers him toward an unprecedented second term as president of El Salvador. Very down the middle headline. That is just an objective statement of what's happening. But here's the thing. It's Wednesday. That election was Sunday. Bukele declared victory on Sunday. The world understands Bukele won that election by a lot. Here's the subheadline. In El Salvador, the official results of Sunday's presidential elections are still not in, but that didn't stop President Nayib Bukele from declaring victory on social media, and he looks slated to win. He was up for re-election in a country that doesn't allow re-election in its constitution. Bukele is extraordinarily popular, but many say the future is concerning. Supporters of Nayib Bukele danced and cheered on Sunday night in El Salvador's main plaza. Bukele is expected to be re-elected as El Salvador's leader, despite the Constitution prohibiting second terms. And of course, that's already been worked out. This is just a regime presentation. He's already doing something illegal by being president again. Although some people are concerned about the country's political future, Bukele is extremely popular among much of the population. He's amassed an almost fanatical fan base, and they turned out for him on election day. The day of the vote itself went relatively without incident. People made their choice for president and the legislative assembly. But there have been some issues. On Monday afternoon, members of the Supreme Electoral Court, which oversees the elections, held a press conference announcing that there was a problem with uploading the data of the remaining votes and that they were going to have to double check the ballots manually, a process that could take at least a week. The vote count is now stalled at 70%, even though Bukele still has a resounding lead with 83% and is still expected to win. So they have 70% of the vote tallied. That's what they're saying. He has 83% of the vote. So the ultimate outcome, whether he won or lost, is really not in doubt. The people want Nayib Bukele. He is going to be reelected. Their claims about how he's violating the Constitution don't matter. He's going to be reelected. But what's the goal? What should be the goal? Now, El Salvador is not the United States of America. 
We are in the United States of America, but I imagine that the people of El Salvador probably have similar goals to the people in the rest of the world. They want to have a government that actually works for them and doesn't just steal their money and their labor, their energy and exploit it. A government that doesn't engage in crimes against the people of its own country or in crimes against humanity that doesn't participate in a global mafia crime ring. And so accordingly, we can hope that they have legitimate elections and that the people can express their voice. And that voice can then be carried into the halls of power and implemented on their behalf. But also there are other elections besides the president and those are going to matter. So we can't just get swept away only thinking about the president. Opposition parties and electoral experts have denounced the situation. And there have also been complaints of problems for people living overseas. What? This is the first vote in which Salvadorans abroad could vote. But some said they were unable to get the system to work to accept their vote. Well, okay, that's very interesting. We'll have to find out more about that. According to the website for the Supreme Electoral Count, only 5% of votes for legislative assembly members have been tallied so far. So the presidential election, 70% of the votes are tallied, only 5% for the legislative assembly. So they don't actually know who's going to win the legislative assembly seats. It's an important battleground. All 60 seats are up for grabs and Bukele says he's picked up most of them, but a final figure is still pending. Political campaigning is usually prohibited on election day, but on Sunday, billboards and banners of Bukele's party, Nuevas Ideas or New Ideas, draped across roadsides and filled the streets in front of voting centers. Did the people put them up or did Bukele's people put them up? Outside polling locations, Bukele supporters cheered for their president and even directed some voters on how to vote for Bukele or New Ideas candidates. During his first term, Bukele's party in Congress ousted five Supreme Court justices and appointed a new court. The new justices reinterpreted the Constitution, enabling Bukele to run for an unprecedented second term. These are serious issues. These are issues that we are going to face in this country. People have to understand that no matter what happens in November, it's not the end of this period, this entire process. Power is being handed back to the people. The people have to figure out how to use it and how to operate the system. If indeed we are going to have a system, if people want to argue that no government is the best government, I'm not going to stand here and say that's wrong. I don't know that it's right, but I don't know that it's wrong. Whatever situation we end up with, we should be pushing forward toward ideal outcomes. Even if we don't reach each and every ideal outcome, we should still understand what they are so that we can understand what we're working toward. And I'm going to come back to that in a few minutes. But let's talk some more about El Salvador. This is from PBS.org, American Public Broadcasting System. I think it's system. Is it station? I think it's system. This is legitimately state-funded media. El Salvador's Bukele appears to win re-election, but vote count issues delay results. So this was from Monday. The article says, Problems with the vote count delayed results Monday in an election that for many represented a trade-off of curtailed civil liberties for security in a country once terrorized by gangs. 
And you have to love how the mouthpiece of the global regime, the mouthpiece of the Uniparty and the evil twin faction in the United States seems to be asserting here that cartels and criminal gangs who operate on behalf of that global regime are just the product of a society that has civil liberties. The same people would make the argument about civil liberties here if indeed the criminals who have committed crimes against America, the gang members and cartel members in this country, if they were all actually rounded up, the same people would be screaming about civil liberties here, despite the fact that they have been engaged in stealing our vote and censoring us. And that's not to mention the debanking, the taxation without representation, the forced medical experimentation, the promotion of medical segregation. You can just go on down the list. Violations of civil liberties carried out by these people. They don't care about civil liberties. It is an argument point for them. Civil liberties matter when they need it to matter and otherwise something else is prioritized. They think our words are dangerous online. They are more than happy to eradicate civil liberties in order to provide emotional safety for them. It's not even about physical safety, just emotional safety for them and for their viewpoint. But back to NPR, the Electoral Authority noted, quote, multiple actions that have hampered the development of the transmission activities of preliminary results, end quote and the lack of paper used to print vote tallies at polling places. It called for a switch to a contingency process that included tallying votes by hand. So think about that. Mid-process during this election, this is what Lindell must have read or heard or found out about through the people he is in regular communication and contact with. A lot of people think Mike Lindell is some kind of joke because he's just the pillow man. I don't happen to think that. I went to the cyber symposium way back in August of 2021. Eduardo Bolsonaro was there speaking. I assume he's still in touch with Lindell. I assume that Eduardo Bolsonaro probably knows what's happening in El Salvador. And I said the other day, I think that we are seeing this election process play out so that we can learn about what could potentially happen in our process through observing the experience of these other countries. It called for a switch to a contingency process that included tallying votes by hand. How about that? A contingency process. The process was changed mid-election. Could we see something like that here? I imagine we could. And it would be awfully nice to know that there was a potential contingency process in place. That would be the sort of thing that would encourage people to go out and vote. And we'll talk more about that in just a second. But let's go through a little bit more of this information about the El Salvador election. Eduardo Escobar, a lawyer with the non-governmental organization Citizen Action, said he understood there had been two problems. Some poll workers were unable to enter vote totals in the system and others who did were unable to transmit them. So Citizen Action, a non-governmental organization, take that as you will, but from that perspective, the two problems are poll workers were unable to enter the vote totals in the system and others were unable to transmit them. He said he was not concerned about the result because the margin was so wide. 
with the order for manual counts, quote, I understand that the issue is flowing, he said. Who knows what that means? Standing on the balcony of the National Palace on Sunday evening, Bukele said El Salvador had made history, quote, Salvadorans have given the example to the entire world that any problem can be solved if there is the will to do it, end quote. I just want to hit one other piece of this article before we move on. After his party was victorious in 2021 legislative elections, the newly elected Congress purged the constitutional court, replacing judges with loyalists. The new justices ruled that Bukele could run for a second term despite the constitutional ban on re-election. Bukele arrived on scene when Salvadorans were craving change. El Salvador's traditional parties, the conservative Nationalist Republican Alliance, and the Farabundo Marti National Liberation Front had alternated power for three decades and were thoroughly discredited by deep corruption and ineffectiveness. So they had two parties for decades. Both of them have been thoroughly discredited for deep corruption and ineffectiveness. That sounds exactly like here. That is what we have here. Donald Trump is an answer to that potentially. That's the direction we're all headed in. Donald Trump is the leader of that movement. But either way, it is untenable to continue down the same path guided by the two sides of the uniparty. So the situation as described there is very similar to the situation here. But let's look at their other complaint. Their other complaint is that Bukele has purged the constitutional court. Think about that as a parallel to our Supreme Court. And the claim is he's replaced judges with loyalists. Now, we have seen overwhelming evidence of a political system that has been thoroughly infiltrated, thoroughly corrupted, thoroughly compromised and set in direct opposition to the good and the will of the American people. We have seen that right here in the United States of America. Something must be done about it. The movement to get something done about it is being raised up and led by Donald Trump. We need to do what Bukele has done. And when that happens, the same things will be said about Trump, about MAGA, about us in support of that. You have to understand that when Donald Trump goes in and actually cleans out the deep state and the administrative state, just wipes it out from the federal government, people are going to claim he's a dictator. They're going to claim that he is removing all of these nonpartisan, quote unquote, political appointees and career government employees and replacing them with loyalists so that he can be a dictator. But that last part isn't true. And the loyalist part only means to the extent that they will actually execute the president's agenda. And that's what they're supposed to do. The career political officials could be replaced by each and every new president, except they made it so that they couldn't be fired. Our government made it so that those career officials couldn't really be fired. And so they keep their jobs, president after president after president. And if the president doesn't want to implement the global regime's agenda and instead wants to implement an agenda opposite to that of the global regime, the career employees will thwart the president's ability to implement the agenda that he pursues and that the American people elected him to pursue. The clearing out has to be done. The rounding up of illegal aliens and cartels and criminal gang members, it has to be done. The clearing out of the administrative state has to be done. And let's look at the Supreme Court. 
how many Supreme Court justices were nominated by illegitimate presidents? Well, there's definitely Katanji Brown Jackson because Joe Biden is thoroughly illegitimate. She has to be removed. I don't understand how you could be pursuing the goals of fixing all of this and not remove Katanji Brown Jackson. And then you've got to look at Kagan and Sotomayor. Are we going to believe that Barack Obama isn't himself guilty of crimes against this country? I mean, maybe he's not. Maybe we'll find out information that makes us think Barack Obama is totally not guilty. But for now, there's absolutely no reason to believe that. So we at least have to consider what it would look like to remove justices who were doing the bidding of political criminals in this country. And it's not like they hide what they're doing. They say that the reason they're doing things is for political expediency. Well, if we decided the other way, some harm would come. Okay, well, that's not what you're supposed to be deciding on. You're supposed to be deciding on whether or not the issue in question is constitutional or not, period. Now, if you don't agree with me about the Supreme Court justices, all good. I don't care. I might be totally convinced of something that you're not totally convinced of, and that's okay. It doesn't actually matter, but I'm going to think about it. I'm going to think about what ideal outcomes are and how to pursue them. And if it turns out that Barack Obama is guilty of all the things people think he's guilty of, and the Senate that runs these confirmation hearings and confirms these justices is as illegitimate and criminal as we think they are, then I don't really see why any of us should be saddled with the product, the fruits of their corruption and complicity and compromise and double dealing and anti-American criminality. But you see how it can be described. This is how we've heard these things described for decades now. This is part of the false reality. Politicians should never be pursued for their crimes because that makes one party, the party pursuing them, dictatorial. But also, it only works in one direction. You see, Joe Biden is protecting America from this grave threat to our democracy in Donald Trump. He's not prosecuting and persecuting his political opponent in order to prevent him and his movement from once again taking power in the United States. He's protecting us from that criminal. Now, if we go ahead and once again publicly recognize Donald Trump as the duly elected president of the United States of America, and we instill in him the authority to go after these people, they will not frame it as Donald Trump going after political criminals who represent a threat to our constitutional republic and our very way of life. They will frame him as a dictator. And if they are successful in backing people down with this kind of language and this kind of framing, well, then we're not going to end up with ideal outcomes. We're not even going to approach ideal outcomes. They are going to call us names. That is going to happen. Even once we get to 85, 90% support, we are still going to be called names. Sooner or later, everyone's going to have to be okay with strangers on the internet thinking you're mean. And one final paragraph here. Bukele didn't appear at a single campaign event before the election, instead posting social media videos taped from his couch and urging Salvadorans to vote for him so the opposition doesn't, quote, free the gang members and use them to return to power. Now, that is certainly a departure from Donald Trump. That sounds like a Joe Biden campaign, just campaigning from the basement. 
But then again, Ron's supporters accused Donald Trump of doing this. From their perspective, Donald Trump wasn't running a campaign despite holding multiple quote unquote campaign events each week, going around hosting big rallies, courting endorsements, and generally just being presidential out there. He wouldn't go on the debate stage with Ron and Nikki, so he wasn't campaigning as far as they're concerned. And for what it's worth, I agree. He wasn't campaigning. He was just giving speeches and responding to all the various attacks. And that worked as his campaign right there. And thank goodness, because he still has not conceded from 2020. So people get really bent up about this 2024 campaign that no one can really prove is even happening. I mean, I guess you could say to some extent that the primaries are happening. People do seem to be going out and voting. And I guess it's probably a net positive that the Republican National Committee decided to go ahead with this primary season, because imagine how Donald Trump would be talked about, how his record would be portrayed if he wasn't, quote unquote, running for president right now. They could have backed him off. They could have gotten him to sit out. He wouldn't be stating his own positions. He wouldn't be arguing for certain viewpoints, directing attention at certain things, weighing in on the work that the Senate, quote unquote, or the Congress, quote unquote, is actually doing, he would be silent and they would all be looking past him. Ron and Nikki would be framing Trump's actions, his agenda, his viewpoints in a certain way. Oh, it's time to move on from Donald Trump. He did some good things and there's a lot to learn from this MAGA movement, but it's time to move on from Trump. That's what we would be hearing. The left would be attacking him, the uniparty left. And the uniparty right would be going along with the premise of their attacks most of the time and providing a weak defense of Trump every now and then, just as they did throughout his first term. The other benefit of these fake primaries is that to the extent any of this counts at all, and I am not remotely convinced that it does, but to the extent that it does, these other candidates who are in primaries down ballot well, this provides some support for them when there are actually MAGA candidates to support. But of course, as always, we are focused only on president. Nikki Haley last night lost a primary in Nevada that doesn't count at all to none of the candidates listed. That was the option that 60% of the people supported. Nikki Haley got 30% of the vote in a primary that didn't matter at all. Trump wasn't even an option. He was not involved in the Nevada primary because the Nevada primary does not assign delegates. Only the Nevada caucus does. That's going to happen tomorrow, and Donald Trump is going to dominate and win that. Nikki Haley literally lost to none of the above, at least in the official story of this fake election primary. But let's get back to Bukele for a second. This is from DW.com yesterday. El Salvador votes must be recounted, says Electoral Court. Many of the votes cast in the presidential and parliamentary elections in El Salvador must be recounted due to technical issues, the president of the Supreme Electoral Court said on Monday. Incumbent President Nayib Bukele already claimed victory on Sunday night and looked set to become the first Salvadoran president in almost a century to win a second term. With 70% of the votes counted, Bukele, 42, had a comfortable lead with 83% by Monday morning. But since then, 
the electoral authority's electronic system has stopped updating, meaning that almost 30% of ballot boxes will have to be double-checked. In the simultaneous parliamentary elections, the problems were even more serious, with only 5% of the votes counted before problems such as duplication of votes when uploading data began to emerge. Wow. The votes are uploading? And as they're uploading, they're duplicated? Gosh, what a strange problem to have. Do you think someone programmed the computers to do that? Or are the computers just short-circuiting? Oh, there's just a problem. Oh, oh, we're going to find out it's human error. In addition to the presidency, Bukele also claimed victory for his conservative New Ideas Party, which he said won at least 58 of the El Salvador Parliament's 60 seats. Irregularities in the system. Opposition parties in the leftist BPR bloc have described the elections as a farce and rejected Bukele's self-proclamation of himself as the winner. The BPR condemns the unconstitutional re-election of Nayib Bukele, the bloc said in a statement, accusing the ruling party of, quote, illegally modifying the electoral system and violating legal provisions within the electoral framework. Damn, they're accusing Bukele's party of exactly what the Uniparty did here. Strange. Eduardo Escobar, director of campaign group Citizen Action, told the Spanish news agency EFE that there were, quote, irregularities. This is the same guy, by the way, from before. The citizen action guy. He's the source of these quotes. Without a doubt, there is an irregularity that the court has to explain, he said. It will have to be solved so that there are no doubts about the electoral result. El Salvador's constitution actually prohibits the direct re-election of the president. However, constitutional judges loyal to the government allowed Bukele to run again. To circumvent the ban, the head of state only has to take a leave of absence for six months until the day of the planned inauguration on June 1st. And maybe someone has to check their math there because that certainly isn't six months. And I got to say, there's something deeply weird about the people who break all the rules and who make excuses for breaking all the rules, constantly claiming that other people are breaking the rules while they're doing legal things that the people are demanding. I find it just so hard to allow these people to establish credibility when they are supporting something like that and criticizing it at the same time. And to be clear, I don't know that El Salvador's elections were legitimate, but I hope they examine them and I hope they find out and I hope they tell the world about it. And I hope the people that we believe are on our side actually are on our side and they are helping to inform us properly about El Salvador and about Nayib Bukele. I hope we are reading the situation correctly. It's very difficult to know because this country is very, very far away and very, very unfamiliar. And as usual, we're being told what to believe and what to think by people we know to be wholly untrustworthy. We talk about a post-truth world. Well, let's embrace it. Do we know that any of this stuff is true? Do we know that Bukele is a good guy? Do we know that the people who are being rounded up and imprisoned are legitimately cartel members and gang members? And if you really search this question deeply, 
Most of us will find that, no, we do not know that to be true. Some people will have been to El Salvador and they will have perceived it a certain way and they would tell us whether or not they believe it to be true or untrue. But at that point, we should also remember that someone's presence within a country for a limited period of time certainly does not clue them into what's actually going on in that country. Think about how many people in this country have virtually no idea of anything that is going on in this country. They still believe everything their TV tells them because they see their side and the other side agreeing on some baseline reality. And because two people on opposite sides agree about certain things, that means those things must be real. But that's not actually true. What we're generally dealing with is controlled opposition where both sides are representing false ideas. And we need to be able to step outside that. But here's the thing. None of it actually has to be true for us to reach the proper conclusions about what we should do in a situation like this. And we can think about all the various aspects so that when something like this arises in a world much closer to ours, We'll have already thought through a bunch of the wrinkles and a bunch of the details about an event like this. Again, what's happening is the same around the world, different places at different times. It happens cyclically with variations that are customized for each country and each situation, each religious group that matters, for instance, or racial group. We talked about the sunflower movement in Taiwan. Certainly, The Sunflower Movement is not complaining about how they were enslaved as black people by Europeans in America. But for all intents and purposes, besides that motivation, they're exactly the same as Black Lives Matter Antifa. Why do I say Black Lives Matter Antifa rather than just Black Lives Matter? Because again, they're two halves of the same thing. The Black Lives Matter, those are the peaceful protesters. Those are the people who have a real moral issue that they're standing up and fighting for and taking to the streets. Whereas Antifa, they have the same moral issue and they are truly fighting for it, but they just go about it in slightly the wrong way. That's how it's laid out to us so that Black Lives Matter can at least be the ones that we understand. If someone really wants to disavow the violence without disavowing the movement, then they can just say, well, I don't agree with Antifa's tactics, but I still support the Black Lives Matter cause. And I understand they support that cause, too. So I wish they would go about it in another way, but I'm not going to say they're wrong. They have these groups all over the world for a slew of different reasons. It doesn't matter what the reason is. They're operating the same playbook. Sometimes it's illegal aliens. Sometimes it's ethnic or religious terrorists. They destabilize the country. They create the problems. They offer themselves as the only potential solution and they further infiltrate only to do it again later. It is obviously happening all over the world right now. They are trying to get everybody on the same page to lead into that 2030 agenda. You can say it sounds like a conspiracy theory all you want, but they tell you about it all the time and they tell you how they're doing it and they tell you who their corporate partners are, who are doing it, and you can see them doing it. 
They tell you which governments around the world they've infiltrated, and they tell you who's on their team. And those teammates will also say, yeah, I'm on their team. We're pushing for this global agenda, this global order. They don't hide it. It is exactly what it is said to be. One world, global government. It's not a conspiracy theory. It is a position held by what was a great majority of world leaders and the people they controlled. These strategies aren't even hidden. Absolutely none of it is hidden. You can see it right out in the open. They want people to agree with them and join their side. They advertise what they're doing absolutely all the time. And all anyone has to do is realize, oh man, that actually sounds like it could turn out real bad. And then it's a short step to, oh wait, they really are doing that stuff. And they're in the very late stages of it. And hopefully, if you reach that point, you're going the rest of the way. Understanding that you actually do have to oppose that thing. That is one viewpoint in the world represented by a great many people. Fewer every day, but still a great many people. Many of them very, very powerful. But it is okay to represent another position. We actually do have to oppose this thing and we can oppose it in whole by understanding that it is happening everywhere all the time. We don't just have to wait around for things to happen in the American news cycle in order to learn what we can and should be doing from what's happening in the rest of the world. And I'm not saying that that in itself is some revelation, but we should understand the fact that we can see the same things that are happening here happening in other places. Because while we might imagine that we are an independent country, we don't think that we have been subsumed by that global order yet. We can see certain ways that they don't quite control everything. You also have to understand that they control enough to continue marching forward. They are still pursuing their agenda together. They work together around the world at the same time. They are trying to achieve the same goal in all of the countries around the world so that it can be eventually just subsumed by that global order. Then you don't need the countries. You don't need the borders. You don't need any of it, but you can watch it advance And it would only make sense if it was advancing together. You can look to history and see that it advanced in the same way in countries across the world at the same time within the last few centuries. Many examples of this. We can understand what's happening around the world to the best of our ability. At least try to understand the story, what the critical issues are what it means, how we might apply it here. Think about the morality of it. That is far more important if you want a government of, by, and for the people than spending your 3,000th day in a row listening to the Daily Wire influencers talk about who has the wee-wees and who has the hoo-hahs. So let's shift to elections in America. And don't worry, I'm not going to trigger you too hard just yet. This is aflegal.org, America First Legal, from today. America First Legal files landmark lawsuit against Maricopa County, Arizona officials, for violating state election laws. 
Yesterday, on behalf of the Strong Communities Foundation of Arizona and Eric Lovellis, America First Legal filed a lawsuit against Maricopa County, Arizona officials for violating state election administration laws. The suit alleges Maricopa County refuses to maintain the mandatory chain of custody for ballots. In 2022, these failures resulted in a discrepancy of over 25,000 votes, larger than the margin of victory in the state's governor's race. Once again, as has always been clear, Katie Hobbs was not legitimately elected as governor of Arizona. Now, some people refer to her as governor of Arizona for whatever reason. I have to assume by this point that it is because they love to grovel. They love to be governed as hard as possible. They want to follow the rules as best they can. Whatever rules this evil cabal writes to oppress you, you got to follow them as best you can or else it doesn't count as winning. That's the sort of idea that the evil cabal would really give you a lot of credits for. Oh, they'd be very happy with you. They'd be giggling and elbowing each other. Ha <laughs> We wrote whatever rules we want to keep these people down forever. And this asshole thinks that he's just going to follow them better than everyone else. And that's how to defeat us. Oh, he's going to follow all our totally unfair, oppressive rules as well as he can. No, please don't. You're killing us just laughing their asses off at their groveling subjects as they grovel. So Katie Hobbs is totally the real governor, and you got to assume that means all the other illegitimate officials, they're totally real too, and you got to follow their loss even though you know that they were not legitimately elected. Isn't that crazy? Uh, I'm just kidding. We all do whatever we're told. Somebody show me the iPad where I vote and the black box attached to it so that I know no one can ever check my vote, ever. Maricopa County ignores mandatory reconciliation procedures to track each ballot printed or issued to a voter. The law requires tracking and reconciling ballots cast and voters checked in to stop fraud. But the defendants... Do not perform any reconciliation procedures at all. It's like they're running an illegitimate election or something. Maricopa County's Election Day Voting Centers, an irrational substitute for Election Day precinct voting, are situated in a racially discriminatory way, having a disparate impact on the county's white and Native American citizens who are more likely to vote in person. Furthermore, these centers are poorly run. During the 2022 general election, a majority had issues with their ballot-on-demand printers. Malfunctions including printing 19-inch ballot images on 20-inch paper and or using an ink-saving eco-function that rendered ballots unreadable, disenfranchising lawful voters. That's the sort of fraud you can really overwhelm, guys. That's what you have to do. You just have to show up in the biggest numbers ever and it'll totally overwhelm that type of fraud. Now, I love the lawsuit. Don't get me wrong. I'm not making fun of America First Legal, and I'm not making fun of the idea of having elections. I think everybody should vote in a legitimate election if we get one. But between now and nine months from now, 
The priority should be to do everything we can and use our voices, put our motivation and our intent behind an effort to get legitimate elections, supporting stuff like this, not complaining that people who are thinking about these issues are going to lead others to not vote in nine months. You're basically just triggered and concerned trolling. If you get mad at that, you have to be quiet because otherwise strangers on the internet aren't going to vote nine months from now. They would have gone, but you made them mad online and they held on to it for nine months and decided not to vote because you made them mad. I mean, honestly, people, we might as well just be child brained leftists if this is how. We're going to approach things. If you want government of, by, and for the people, we actually need to figure out how to deal with things. Also great, the fact that America First Legal is actually contesting the treatment on racial grounds. The claim here is that, first of all, Maricopa County, like they've done in many other places, like they did in Los Angeles, When I was voting there in 2020, they eliminated local precincts and they set up voting centers, massive venues where they would direct everyone in that part of the city to that massive voting center. You couldn't walk down the block to some elementary school where they were using the gym to conduct election day, nor the firehouse, nor the library, nor a church or community center. You had to basically go to a stadium in order to vote. I voted at the Hollywood Bowl. There were people voting at Dodger Stadium. And we know about the voting centers in Fulton County, for instance, where the water main broke and then Ruby Freeman got to work. America First Legal rightly points out that it is totally irrational to think that that is a better solution for our elections. There was no rationality behind it at all. And what did they excuse it by saying? Oh, it was for COVID. They couldn't open up those local precincts. It was just too logistically difficult. What with that very deadly pandemic around. In fact, why go vote in person at all? Just vote by mail. California's to the point where you can just print your ballot out at home. And then you drop it in a Facebook sponsored Dropbox. And we're all pretending that we're just going to overwhelm it all. It would be great if that worked, guys. It would be great if that worked. There's just no proof that it does. And I'm sorry that you think that's the only way Trump could have won in 2016. But you know it's not. And even if it was, that was eight years ago. The regime controls every element of the process. The census the voter registry, the printing of ballots, the mailing of ballots, the collection of ballots, the voting of ballots, the counting of ballots. And then they turn on the lawfare operation to make sure that whatever results they decide to report are maintained. Value your vote. Express your desire to vote. Consider voting. Do what you want. But it makes no sense to complain about these conversations being had. This isn't some easy to navigate situation. But to emphasize the point in the lawsuit, the argument here is that these major voting centers are located in urban environments 
that are dominated by Democrat politics and Democrat demographics. And of course, we're talking about cities where the incentives for various groups of people continually direct this sort of urban environment. It's not like that is just some natural occurrence. But after years of Democrats arguing that somehow Republicans are creating long lines at polling stations in black communities, which is inherently racist, and they always call voter ID inherently racist because somehow black people can't get IDs and they pretend that's not racist to say. This is a case of that side who always claims racism on everything intentionally sets up these major voting centers right in the middle of their demographic areas, forcing people from much further away, if they want to vote in person, to go out of their way in order to do it. If I had voted in 2020 at the same school two blocks away where I had voted before, that would have taken me a minute and a half to walk there. Instead, I have to go in the car get out on the road in city traffic in the middle of the day and take a 10 or 15 minute drive, deal with parking, however long that takes, then walk to the voting area, then vote and then do all of that in reverse. And I was living in the city and relatively close to a voting center. And I don't think that this is some petty gotcha claim using the leftists tactics against them. Not that I would be opposed to that. But there's actually a substantive issue here. They are intentionally making these moves to locate these centers in their neighborhoods that they have taken over, politically speaking. Are we really supposed to pretend that this move isn't focused on race when it's being made by the people who focus everything on race? But let's continue with the press release from America First Legal. Arizona law requires that, quote, the county recorder or other officer in charge of elections shall compare the signatures on early ballots with the signature of the elector on the elector's registration record, end quote. In other words, human beings and only human beings may perform signature verification. However, in 2020, Maricopa County used what it called, quote, the AI signature process, end quote, and the quote unquote AI process to run signature comparisons. The county renewed the AI contract for 2024. And if you followed Kerry Lake's election trials, you would have some background on that signature verification process. It was done by machine. The machine would indicate whether or not it was a match, a likely match, or was not a match. And then the human would, quote unquote, check. But they weren't actually checking. They were just approving it each and every time, just picking their finger up and putting it down. People on video doing exactly that, not checking the signatures against old signatures. The people running the corrupt system say that the machine helps the human, but that the human has still checked. That's not true. The time per approval was averaging under three seconds. There is no way to check that signatures match in any way that should be trusted in under three seconds. Let's continue. 
Starting in 2020, the defendants have been wrongly canceling the voter registrations of hundreds and possibly thousands of Maricopa County residents. This has been happening without voters' knowledge, thus making it impossible for canceled voters to protest. Thus, during the 2022 election, hundreds and possibly thousands of voters appeared at voting centers and were told that they were no longer registered to vote in Maricopa County, even though they had not moved away, had not knowingly requested that their registration be canceled or transferred had not consented to the cancellation of their registration and had never been informed of the cancellation of their registration. These voters were forced to cast provisional ballots, which the defendants never counted. The number of voters disenfranchised during the 2022 general election by the defendants unlawful cancellations was larger than the margin of victory in some races. Oh, man, they just go out and cancel voter registrations. I mean, thank goodness we have Scott Pressler out there getting more voter registrations. Hopefully they won't cancel all of those new ones. And I hope that his whole ballot harvesting thing is going well. That's a solution, except for the fact that it's kind of not, you know, and I know that we're not allowed to say anything bad about Scott Pressler. But here's the thing. What he's doing is totally supporting the election fraud apparatus. And three of the very worst parts of it at that he's supporting early voting, he's supporting mail-in voting, and he's supporting ballot harvesting. And in addition to that, he's getting bunches and bunches of voters registered. Oh, your data is just going right into that system. Whose system is it? Is the RNC system that RNC that is losing their leadership in Ronna McDaniel or not? There are people being suggested to go into Ronna McDaniel's spot, who are they being supported by? DeSantis Sims, members of the establishment? What about your election? Are you willing to trust to the RNC? Where's the data going? Is it going directly to Donald Trump? Are those voters being targeted so that we can win over their votes in a rigged election or not rigged election? Because Scott Presser is not focused on election fraud. He's focused on adding to voter registries, which gives them more data to use, early voting, which gives them more data to use, mail-in voting, which gives them more ways to manipulate things, and ballot harvesting, which creates another link in the chain of custody for absolutely no good reason. These things shouldn't be participated in. They should be eliminated. We should have ideal goals. And if someone is working in direct opposition to those ideal goals, we have to at least consider that no matter how hard they work and no matter how much they say they really support people with ours next to their names, that thing they're doing might just not be the answer. If election fraud is exposed as a reality in this country, and it must be if we are to continue forward as a country, then part of the solution to all of that has to be completely purging the voter registry and allowing people to re-register so that we can be absolutely sure that all of the people who shouldn't be on the voter registry aren't on it. And in that case, we wouldn't need all these additional voter registrations. But you might say, these are real people. They need to really vote. Maybe we won't get that purge you're talking about between now and the next election. 
but we are going to need their votes. So thank goodness somebody is out there registering them. Well, okay. I guess there is a plausible world where maybe you have some point in there, but that world still assumes that we are going to have an election where the votes are counted and that we could secure a win simply by going out and overwhelming the fraud system, or perhaps at some point getting a review of the election and having the election decided only on legitimate, lawful American votes. And so therefore it's good to have these people registered. And hey, maybe there is a plausible possible world where you might be right about that, but we certainly shouldn't assume it. And then because of that possibility, which does not at this point seem to be a high probability sort of possibility, but because of that possibility, then we are also going to give a thumbs up to focusing on voter registrations, a part of the system we know is captured and we know can be manipulated to the maximum extent by the other side, that part of the system. Well, there's a chance it might help this time. So it's good that we have someone charging ahead in that direction while denying that our elections are stolen in the first place, which is just an outright blatant lie that helps support the system. But that's only one part of it, because then you have the early voting, which is how they know who has shown up so they can plan out their fraud strategy accordingly. That is helpful to them. We're not banking votes in case something goes wrong on election day. We are upping the total data, data for whom? Then you've got the support of the mail-in ballot system and the support of the collection, the mass collection of those mail-in ballots. Mail-in ballots are the greatest possible introduction to election fraud in our voting system. And ballot harvesting makes it illegal to go collect hundreds of ballots or thousands of ballots to pay for ballots that will just be blank and voted by someone else. And the signatures will never be checked. Every element in the process is controlled by the uniparty regime, which means it's rigged to benefit the uniparty regime. There is not going to be a counter operation that can defeat that problem. If they send 3000 ballots to an empty lot, you're not going to get those ballots by going door to door. And unless you're going to plot how to steal them and then fraudulently cast them all yourself, you're not going to win that game, period. So none of these strategies can be legitimately claimed to be helping us win a non-rigged election. Winning a rigged election isn't winning. That's not a thing. And that's not a goal. In any legitimate election system, we will have to purge the registries. As I said, we would have to eliminate mail-in balloting, early voting, and ballot harvesting. Nothing could be more obvious. Each and every one of those things would have to be eliminated from the process. And at that point, people who want to vote should go register to vote. And if you're going to tell me that an infrastructure is being built out for that instance, and Scott Pressler is the one running it, then wonderful and cheers to him. But that's the only out for this strategy is that it's all an op for later and it's just not being described properly for us, but it will be described later. It just so happens that there's no reason to actually believe that. It is an extremely charitable interpretation of what's happening and what the viewpoint is and what it represents. 
And you're more than welcome to accept that. I don't, but you can. And it's going to stay that way until the explanation is made. Why are these obviously terrible strategies being pursued? Is this a trick? Is there something else going on behind the scenes that we are not being told about? Maybe we'll just get to know about it as a surprise later. Oh, hey, hey, guys, we fixed your elections without telling you. Don't worry about it. Come vote. Well, okay, I guess. I guess we might as well give it a shot and see how it goes. But if that's happening, if elections are being fixed in the background, why is it being kept a secret? When the situation is fixed, we're going to have to purge the registries. When the situation is fixed, we can't have early voting, mail-in balloting, or ballot harvesting. So I'm having a real hard time figuring out why those are good things to convince patriotic Americans to work hard at doing. And when I say that, people freak out. Is no one supposed to ask these questions? Have we just been shown the people on TV and the people on social media that we are supposed to listen to forever? Oh, well, you know, Trump says this. Q says this. Scott Pressler, he's working really hard. I'm not trying to insult anybody, but these are not reasons to do things unless you want to go on being subjects forever. They are asking for your vote. They are asking for your consent for a certain set of people to compose your government and then govern you. They want you to say, yes, you people have the right to govern me. I am delegating to you that authority to make rules for my society. And you are not demanding anything in return. You are not demanding that they even count your vote. Why? Because an Internet person said so. This is your leverage. Use your leverage. If someone is telling you they need your vote, then you are welcome to tell them, if you want my vote, prove that the process is legitimate. And if you don't do that, then I am going to hold on to my right to withhold my vote from you. Take Trump out of the equation. Think about everybody else with an R next to his or her name who's running in that election besides Donald Trump. What is their campaign slogan for you? We haven't fixed the election system. Vote for us anyway, 2024. This is just like that situation at the border right now. They can't get the negotiations over the finish line because people don't believe them. So in order to convince people, they are trying to ratchet up the tension and the drama and the chaos so that everyone becomes so upset and tense and annoyed and aggravated and scared by what they're doing on television that you just acquiesce and go along. I mean, what is the exchange here? They say to us, you need to go vote for me in nine months. Okay, why? Why do I need to do that? Why do I need to ask you to make rules for me when you don't do anything for me once you've been given that responsibility? And why in the world would I do that for you when you're asking me to do it in an election that's not decided by votes? Most of them haven't lifted a finger to fix that problem. Most of them deny that the problem exists. But because they have an R next to their name, you are going to go give them your consent to make rules for you because according to them, it'll be even worse if you let the other people they work with, their colleagues, take that role instead. 
to pursue the same thing. They would just be doing it without the little R's next to their name. And that R, that's the only thing keeping us safe. I'm going to finish out this America first legal piece and then come back around on that. Maricopa County violates state laws mandating ballot curing procedures that require that a voter actually see a suspect signature and confirm its authenticity in person. And of course, they didn't do that. Arizona law requires ballot drop boxes to be staffed by at least two election officials positioned close enough to view each person who deposits ballots into it. Maintaining an unstaffed drop box is a felony. However, Maricopa County maintains unstaffed, unsupervised ballot drop boxes, facilitating illegal ballot harvesting. Damn, if only we could get some of that sweet, sweet cheating on our side. For years, the Maricopa County Board of Supervisors and the County Recorder have consistently failed to lawfully and fairly administer elections in Maricopa County. These individuals are fully aware of their election law violations, yet they have consistently failed to take any action to rectify them. This action has been filed to prevent the November 5th, 2024 election from being tainted with the same mistakes and maladministration that occurred during the 2020 and 2022 elections. America First Legal will continue fighting for fair elections and to protect the right of every American citizen to have their lawful vote counted. Now, that's what I'm talking about. I don't know that they will win, but they should win. If they don't win, what do we think about the courts? Do we assume the courts are fine and do we grovel and do we vote again in their system knowing that despite its illegality, they tell us it's legal? Do the courts still count in that situation? I mean, it's 2024. The agenda calls for it being done by 2030. They're going forward with the vaccines, with the AI, with the censorship, with the CBDCs, with the transhumanism, with the wokeness, all of it. They're going to go forward. What are we going to do? Comply our way through it. Now, I'm very happy that this is happening in Arizona. It's absolutely possible that this could have far reaching implications for the entire country. And I hope that it does. I would love to see something like this have its true effect and fully expose the system that could bring us down a very quick path to full understanding of the problem and at least a fast majority understanding that the system as it has existed is wholly inadequate for solving this problem. There is more than enough time to implement solutions so that we can have legitimate elections in nine months. It's nine months away. People keep trying to come up with solutions in and from the system When the system itself is the problem, when the people running the system are illegitimate and incompetent and their motivations are directly in opposition to yours, the solution is not there. If what they were doing was legitimate and lawful and moral and had the approval of the people, if it had any of those things, I would totally be on board with the idea that the solution must come from the system. Hey, if we have to have a government and we're going to be in the minority, then maybe our needs will not be met. If we have free and fair, legitimate elections, 
well, maybe we can convince other people that our ideas are better and they will elect our candidates on the basis of those ideas in the future. And maybe we do just need to find the solution within the system, but it's not legitimate. It's not like that. The elected representatives do not govern with the consent of the American people. They are not there to fulfill the will of the American people or serve the will of the American people. They are, in fact, wielding that system against us. They design the system. They change the laws illegitimately to be able to construct the system. And then they use and abuse that system to keep themselves in power. We do not have to interact with the world as if all we know is that which the standard issue uniparty villagers know from watching the mainstream media, still believing Joe Biden really is a legitimate president who definitely received 81 million real lawful American votes. We know that's not true. We know Trump didn't concede. We know that there are still open cases about that election and about the legitimacy of those machines. And we know there are these cases pointing out a whole range of problems. And rather than making sure Americans understand all of this, we are going to duck out of that conversation, talk about who has the wee-wees and who has the hoo-hahs, and tell everybody that they absolutely must vote this fall. Any discussion otherwise, oh, that means you're suspect. Here's what's suspect. Telling people they can't talk about a certain subject because you want the people who are listening to them not to hear those words because you're scared of what those people might do. They might not do the thing that you want them to do. There are people in our community, quote unquote, who actually think it is their responsibility to tell other people what to listen to, what to engage with, what ideas to consider. Why is that? You can't go around calling ideas and people dangerous while you're an information gatekeeper. There is nothing more dangerous than that. Think about all of the subjects that no one has really engaged with because we were told they were off limits. It's absolutely crazy. I'll describe a scenario for you. Let's think about this. Everybody agrees with these information gatekeepers that these conversations just shouldn't be had. We all have to commit to voting because Trump says so and Q says so. And ballot harvesting is okay because Trump said that once while the Ron DeSantis op was attacking Trump about that strategy. He said, yeah, okay, fine. Yeah. If you want to ballot harvest, ballot harvest, go ahead. It's not like he's out there bragging every day about the ballot harvesting operation he's setting up. Trump is manipulating a public narrative. He is mid-negotiation all the time. He is trying to change leverage in situations. You can't just pull out one thing he said once and say that everyone must adhere to that as a strategy for nine months. We have to support ballot harvesting because Trump talked about it once or twice in passing. Donald Trump is the tribune of the people. That is why he is so loved because he listens. He suggests a range of ideas. Often he'll suggest a thing and its opposite just to gauge both responses, which is a fantastic way to understand what people really think. But that doesn't matter to even people in our community. They figure out which thing Trump said that corresponds to what they say and what they like, and they go with that as if that is some sort of commandment that we all must follow. Everyone is interpreting the information. People interpret information in different ways. Donald Trump delivers information in different ways. 
So of course it makes sense to consider different interpretations. And not only do they think that they know what Donald Trump is saying all the time, they believe they know what Q is saying all the time. That is just information on a message board. And I'm not saying anything bad about Q. I've written 25,000 words about Q. My opinion hasn't changed. You can read it on the website. It's called a story about reality. But you can't just assume that one interpretation is true and then follow that as if it's the gospel. The entire point, from my perspective at least, is this awakening process. It's not figuring out how to make people with R's next to their name win a rigged election in November. It's for people to awaken so that we can seize back the power that each of us hold individually and the power that we hold collectively as the people rather than just forever remaining subjects of this global communist regime. Now, if you think that the point of everything is to make sure that people with R's next to their name win in November and that you'll just pursue the big goals later, I would guess that, no, you're not going to. You're going to accept what you believe to be a win, and then you're going to check out as if somehow it's all going to be flowers and sunshine after that. Your life's just going to be perfect because Donald Trump was announced by the television as president once again. So we go through this year. We decide that our strategy is just go vote and tell other people to vote. We're not going to talk about election fraud. We're not going to talk about ways that the election might be rigged. We're not going to talk about whether or not we should abstain from participating and giving our consent to the system in the first place, knowing that it's rigged against us. We're just going to go along and do it. And we convince everybody else to do that. We say, this is our path to redemption. We have to win this rigged election. And upon winning this rigged election, Donald Trump and everyone else who wins with an R next to their name, they're going to fix this election system. And they're going to take down the deep state that runs this election system. And everybody agrees that it is very negative to say anything that might conflict with that. It's very positive to convince everybody that our elections are actually work. They're the solution. Someone back there is counting up the totals for real. And one day we're going to get them. And that day will show that Donald Trump won. Now, again, I believe Donald Trump already has a massive majority of support in this country. I believe he also had that in 2020. So Donald Trump's legitimacy is not something I question. Trump is not only popular with the majority of Americans. He is so popular that he could actually win races for everyone in his party down ballot the whole way. And then on November 6th, we hear Donald Trump has won the 2024 presidential election and Republicans have won down ballot in state after state across the country. And now they have a 35 seat majority in the House of Representatives. 35 seats, by the way, in this scenario would be a very small majority but it will be communicated to Americans as a huge majority and a massive Republican victory. So Trump wins big, Republicans win big up and down the ballot. It is the red wave. It is finally materialized. Everyone agrees that it was a red wave. And you're thinking, yes, what an ideal scenario that would be. Finally, the country knows that we really do have a huge majority. People are fully rejecting this Democrat point of view, because of course, at this point, you might as well just forget it's a uniparty, right? Republicans won over Democrats. People with R's next to their name 
over the people with the D's next to their name. The right defeats the left. The red people defeat the blue people. That is so important. And then you start checking to see who the candidates down the ballot even were. Because you voted for them. You gave your consent to the system. You checked off everybody with an R next to their name, whether you knew that person or not. They could be a hardcore supporter of the global communist regime. They could be a uniparty right Republican. Someone with an R next to their name that you figure has to be better than the person with the D next to their name. So you've gone in, you've given your consent to the system. You don't know that your vote was recorded, much less counted, much less counted accurately. But even if it was, what you just did was vote for Donald J. Trump and then, what, 20 establishment rhinos with little R's next to their name? I mean, you got to help Trump get the majority so that he can get his agenda passed, right? But, oh, damn, I just voted for 20 rhinos who serve the regime and I got that one Donald Trump, but I only have him for four years and By God, they're going to subvert him again. Maybe they'll tell us that the American people really wanted Donald Trump there again, but they also wanted a certain kind of Republican in order to keep Donald Trump under control and make sure that he doesn't pursue his authoritarian motivations just too hard. I mean, that'll be great, right? Trump won. Republicans won. We're going to get 2016 through 2020 over again. I wonder if all those rhinos would like to help the Democrats impeach Trump. I mean, who knows? No one will have supported those guys. No one will have even bothered finding out who they are. They'll just understand they have little R's next to their name, and that's going to be better. Uniparty right has to be better than the uniparty left, doesn't it? I mean, at least the uniparty right knows who has the wee-wees and who has the hoo-hahs most of the time, or at least that's what they tell us every single day. Why are they, are they bragging about knowing the most basic fact of nature? Oh, it's because they think everybody's stupid. And wait a second. If all those rhinos got elected all across the country because people just voted for whoever had an R, next to his or her name and Donald Trump, who's going to fix election fraud around the states? Is Donald Trump going to do that as president? I mean, maybe there's a way, maybe. But who's going to do it in the states where it absolutely has to be done? Will it be the people with the little R's next to their name that you have just voted for and given your consent to make the rules despite not knowing whether or not they are just Republican establishment uniparty members? And then how are they going to sell to the people something so controversial as totally dismantling the election fraud apparatus after it just put them in office? I mean, maybe it can be done, but I wouldn't just assume that it can be. Who would be motivated to fix our elections after a massive Donald Trump landslide and a win up and down the ballot by Republicans? And maybe people still would be motivated because they understand the problem is so real. And that would be great. Maybe we can go after it. But then what do you do with all of those people with little R's next to their names who won illegitimate elections once you find out that the elections are illegitimate? Will they have already been sworn into office by then? 
Do you then have to unwind a similar legal problem to try to get them out of office, despite the fact that everybody knows they're illegitimate in the first place? Oh, I remember we're not supposed to think about any of these things because we're not actually going to take power back. We are just replacing their people with our people and hoping that our people will treat us a little more nicely than their people did. They'll make us feel a little better like we have more power. Will we have more power? No, of course not. But we'll feel like it because people with ours next to their name will be leading the uniparty. Now, normal Americans who've just been convinced for nine months that voting is the way to solve everything, they're not going to be worried about election fraud while everyone is celebrating a big win. In fact, they're probably not going to be worried about election fraud ever again. And the people who wanted to deny it the whole time in the first place, well, they're not going to bring it up. They'll all simply agree that they can get through four years of Donald Trump. The plan in the rest of the world is just going to stay on track. And they're still chugging along down the tracks toward their 2030 agenda being completed. With the leverage we have in this moment, we are going to demand nothing for our vote. And we are going to embrace a high probability outcome like that one. Is that a win for us or is that a win for the regime? The country forgetting about our stolen elections is a win for the regime. Think about all the power they'll have to manipulate our currency then. And how about this scenario? Let's say that Trump is announced the loser. They just invent 95 or 100 million or 110 million votes for Joe Biden. Trump gets 80 million or something. And they say Biden won by even more than last time. The most votes ever. That is how much the American people stood up to say, no, we will never go back to Donald Trump ever again. You know how they describe these things. So Trump's lost and down ballot Republicans. Well, they do OK, because the country was rejecting Democrat politics under Joe Biden, but they just weren't ready to return to Donald Trump. So they rejected Trump, but they voted for divided government. They voted for Republicans to have a small majority in the House, and they hoped the message we'll be told was that Americans wanted more bipartisanship. I mean, do you really think they wouldn't run this narrative right at you that people wouldn't buy it, especially after everyone has convinced one another that our only solution is through elections? And at that point, everyone out there will know that it was stolen. And how will that be received after pretending that the election was the only way? Imagine trying again to convince people that election fraud is something that we can overcome at that point, after focusing everything on a 2024 election that will almost assuredly be rigged and stolen, or at least rigged, unless something major happens between now and then. I think we're much better off searching for that major moment between now and then with the potential to actually have a legitimate election in November, a goal that can only be reached by discussing this stuff and understanding it than to focus all our energies on November 5th, 2024 and hope for the best. And in the meantime, do everything we can to support the idea that our elections are legitimate and to actively work to compete within their apparatus as if it's helping us 
eventually win. I don't even think this is an argument. I think it is that obvious and that conclusive. These conversations absolutely must be had. Trump is Trump. Leave Trump aside. But for the rest of the Republican Party, they have not done anything to fix elections in three plus years. And they're saying, come vote for me in a rigged election anyway. And you want to give them your power because their colleagues working for the same agenda are even worse. It doesn't make any sense. Now, if we are on a slow rollout of election fraud information along a certain timeline, and that is supposed to occur simultaneously with other events so that the country wakes up to the understanding of election fraud and has a solution implemented on a fast track, and that's going to solve everything. Well, fine. I guess we'll see if that happens. I would potentially wonder why everyone is so comfortable with a fast track solution being provided without that solution being communicated to the people first so that the people can think about it and discuss it. I mean, honestly, I'm really wondering if people just want their liars replaced with our liars, their criminals replaced with our criminals, their corrupt and compromised, incompetent leaders replaced with ours. I don't want that. That's not what I'm doing this for. I firmly believe there's a way through this. And if that information rollout along a certain timeline is part of the solution, all good. But that doesn't mean that we need to stay at that place of learning and understanding that everyone else is staying at. Now, I'm not saying everyone needs to be on the same mission, and I'm certainly not saying that anyone out there needs to devote their lives to any political cause whatsoever. But we can also understand that as awakening people and awakening is a process, it's not a state of being, you're not awake and then that's just it forever. It is a constant process. And if it's our goal to do that individually and then hopefully have it happen collectively as a result, and we actually want a lasting solution to the sorts of world historic evils we've been facing down, well, then we have to be able to talk about whether or not the way to defeat a thousands of years old ancient evil cabal is to be pressing parts of a screen on an iPad attached to a black box after it's failed every time before. It's something we should at least think about a little bit. It's going to be okay. I'll be back tomorrow at the same reasonable time on the same reasonable podcast network. I don't have a network. Masks and lockdowns don't work. They lied to you about a pandemic. And Joe Biden will never be president. In my mind, that's the end game. If you're listening to this episode for free, you can support me and support the show and the work I do by signing up for a paid subscription at imyourmoderator.substack.com. You can do so for as low as $50 a year or $5 a month. Comes out to under a quarter per episode and you'll blast right through the paywall for all of the writing. The merch store is www.cancelcouture.com and you can find everything else by heading to Linktree. Linktree.com slash I'm your moderator. And I'll see you soon out on the range. 
It's high noon! Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. In my mind, that's the end game. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to follow what I'm reading and thinking throughout the day, you can do that by downloading the Telegram Messenger app and going to t.me slash I'm your moderator. On social media, you can follow me on Truth Social, Getter, and Gab at I'm your moderator. I also have channels on Rumble and BitChute. If you'd like to follow the writing, you can find me at I'm your moderator.substack.com. The merch site is cancelcouture.com or go direct shop.spreadshirt.com slash cancel dash couture if you'd like to support the podcast financially the best place to do that is kofa go to ko-fi.com slash i'm your moderator and all of these details will appear in the show notes with each episode i'll see you soon down on the range It's hot!